Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Welcome to this live feed. Everyone just went silent. This is also a podcast. Just like to show you around. I'm actually uh, at an event. We're at Elite Trainer Masterclass. Say hi, everyone. Hi. All right, there we go. This is a little bit of an experiment because we're recording the podcast. So you'll be listening from 180 countries. We're doing a live event and I'm doing a live feed. So I'll try and keep everyone happy if I can. If you've got any questions or comments, ping them below. This, the subject of this live feed video and podcast is how to sell to the affluent, the experienced, the wealthy, and the skeptical. I think the first thing when selling to people who are very successful already or may be good salespeople themselves, you know, they may be a bit skeptical, they may have seen a lot of selling techniques, the, the step one that you want to write down is you've got to honour their knowledge. Don't treat them like a newbie. Don't use gimmicky, false scarcity techniques, etc. You've got to honour their knowledge. Respect that they're smart. Respect that they're experienced. Meet them where they're at. And some ways you can do that are, for example, I'll give you a few little um, sentence structures you can use. I'm not going to. So, for example, I'm not going to use gimmicky scarcity techniques on you. So you can tell them what you're not going to do, which many of the people who sell to the newer market or don't respect sceptical, wealthy, affluent and experienced. So I'm not going to. Also, I know that you or I understand that you. So a rapport is meeting people where they're at and then leading them from there. So, honour their knowledge and experience. Which leads me on to the second point, which is don't patronise them. Now, if you are a speaker, a trainer, you're a leader, which by the way, if, uh, if, if you logged in earlier, you could see everyone. Of course, all of you in this room are. You've probably been to a hundred seminars. And you know when you go there and you've got a sort of a fairly inexperienced trainer and they're trying to Tony Robbins whoop, whoop, high five, hug, clap, kiss. You know, it's all about hustle, motivation, take action, hustle, take action. And you're thinking like, yeah, I get that. I know that. Give me some information. Give me something tangible to grab onto. So as a speaker, you want to kind of vary your style of delivery. And when I speak to example, uh, Elite Cashflow Accelerator or Elite Trainer Masterclass, I don't do any of the whoopy whoopy, high fivey, happy clappy stuff. I want to honour the fact that you've been there and done that. I want to give you really good information. So, you know, you probably all know the phrase content marketing. Well, I like to focus when I'm speaking to experienced people on giving them good content. Quick, fast, early, because they're, you know, they're not going to sit through a load of fluff. You know, hustle, grind, take action, eat, sleep, hustle, repeat. You know, like, it's, yeah, it's fine, we get it, we've got to take action, we've got to work hard. 
But like, it's, it's that's very basic start-up, get-yourself-going advice, which people who are experienced don't necessarily need. All right, then the third point is you want to sell more subtly. You could call this selling without selling. You know, Bruce Lee was the art of fighting without fighting. The martial art of Bruce Lee, by the way, everyone here is looking at me like I'm kind of weird. Um, but, you know, there are some martial arts which are purely based on using the attacking energy of the opponent back on them, never the aggressor. And so it should be with you with selling. You're not using overt selling techniques. Only got five left when you've got 50 left. You know, false scarcity and urgency. So um, I did a program called Under the Radar Influence, I'm sure. You know, many years ago, you've all had that program and listened to that program. So selling more subtly. How could one sell more subtly? Give us a few um, tips as elite trainers. Don't worry, you, you can't be seen on the live feed. So. Yeah, so seed. Seeding is revealing early and referring to early the thing that you'll sell without selling it. When you use your analogies, your stories, link them to the thing you're going to be selling later on. You know, for example, in a, probably about four or five weeks, I'm going to be launching a course on how to set up, scale up your podcast and, and build a brand as, um, you know, as a podcaster, which I think is the future. So I could talk about my podcast, I could tell stories about my podcast, some interviewees I've had on my podcast, show you some analytics on my podcast, tell, many tell, many, tell you how many people subscribe to the podcast, and however many, you're all sitting there like, is he going to sell me this at the end of the day? I'm not going to sell you this, but if I were going to be selling a podcast later, I should be using stories and analogies and discussions around that. If I'm talking about selling to the affluent, I could talk about selling on podcasts. Because you can't sell the same way on podcasts that you do at live events, for example. What else can you do to sell more subtly? So thanks, Robert. You talked about seeding, which is a great technique. Yes, you overcome objections within the stories and weave in within your discussions. You know, instead of saying, you've got to buy it, haven't got any time. Yes, you have. We've all got 24 hours in a day. I'm not experienced. Well, you can be if you do my course. You know, if you're like, they're objecting, you're rebuffing, they're objecting, you're rebuffing. It's a bit like a boxing match. Oh, all right, if you're really good at it, okay, you know, if you can be good at overcoming objections, that's, that's good, but it's still a bit tit for tat for tit for tat. You might break them down in the end, but, you know, if you know time, money, travel, you know, having kids, having two jobs, not being experienced yet, not having the confidence, if you know all of those of the objections for buying your stuff, which, by the way, experienced people... And newbies have the same experience. You know, someone who's wealthy, affluent and experienced, that often their biggest objection is time. So, your stories, your anecdotes, you know, the answers to your questions. Can you overcome the objections before you start selling the thing? Well, absolutely you can, and that's what you want to do. How else can you sell more subtly? Yeah, so you could focus on the why rather than the what. If I'm telling you what the podcast is, you know, what the benefits are that you get from it, what the bonuses are, what the value is, of course, that's great. But if I ask you, have you got enough followers and fans and reach that you want to scale your business? And you said, not yet. And if I said to you, would you like to have more listeners than some of the major radio networks? You might say yes. And if I started elegantly giving you problems that you've got and reasons that you might want to start something is easier to sell it. I mean, I have now over a million subscribers stroke subscriptions. 
Now, a national radio show wouldn't have that. And I'm just some guy who runs his mouth off, who hasn't got experience in radio, who just does a little mic and a Zoom recorder and just makes a few notes and just expresses what he wants to express in a ranty, gobby, shouty way. And now most major radio networks do not have as many listeners as me. So imagine having any product and having a captive market of more than a million people. Now, I did this in less than two years, so you know this is something that you can do too. And I started with no followers. And I started back then as well, I didn't have many followers on Facebook and Instagram, etc. But you know, as the world changes, and the corporations lose the power, and the individuals get the power, so you've got YouTube millionaires and YouTube stars, and Kim Kardashian, who made $460 million in her Instagram account last year. If I start giving you the reasons why social media can improve your life, then I don't have to sell you a podcast course, you just know that you need it. If you feel that you have got a message inside you that you know the world needs to hear, but you know the world isn't hearing it yet, you've got a book inside you but it's still inside you, it's kind of easy for me to offer you a podcast course. Really, for, for my books, all I do is share all the information I want to share on podcasts, I look at the analytics to see which podcasts get the most downloads and then I know which book to write and I've half written the book in all of the content I've already collated. They've already been transcribed into blogs because I get my team to do that. So I just have to get the blogs back and I've got half the content for my book. You may have heard of Kevin Clifton. He found me from the podcast. You know, he's obviously very successful on Strictly Come Dancing and he's become a client and many other names of people who, you know, I might not necessarily have permission to name or Kevin have. Um, just found me through the podcast. You can go anywhere in the world, you have an idea, you have your little mic and your little Zoom desktop set up and you can reach people all over the world. Pretty powerful. So I'm not selling you a podcast course at the moment. I'm just giving you reasons why it might serve you in your life. So yeah, the why is great. All right, great, let's go to the next point then. Give them something new, different, and or first. So the thing with experience, sceptical, wealthy and affluent is they've seen most of it before because they're experienced, wealthy, affluent. So if you give them the same stuff you give the newbies, they're not going to want it. If you talk to experienced, wealthy and affluent people, they're gagging to buy good products, good services, good courses. They want to relieve the pain. They'll invest. But they haven't got the right thing because everyone's selling to the newbies. So the way we do it at Progressive and Unlimited Success is whenever I launch something new, like a podcast course, first off it goes to Elite Trainer Masterclass members who are our best clients who've been with us for many years, who are also our trainers and some of the best speakers in the country and the world. Then I'll go out to maybe out the people who've done one or more of our courses, then it might go out to my Facebook followers and then it'll go out to our wider database of 280,000 subscribers. You know as an Elite Trainer Masterclass member, virtually all the products and services we've launched, you've had an opportunity to get first at the best price with the best bonuses. So I reward you for being a loyal client and I reward you for being first. And then when you see that predictable pattern, you know to buy it instantly because you know it will be more expensive and you know it will go out to a wider audience. And when it goes, like, 
if all 280,000 subscribers I have, and then 30,000 followers on Facebook, so over 300,000 people, all did a podcast, the market would be a bit flooded. So I honour you being wealthy, experienced and affluent by giving you the chance to do yours first and get it out there first. Now, everyone likes to buy something that's first as long as it's relevant, like the new Apple iPhone 8 or iPhone X. People queue up overnight. People are going to be queuing up to pay 1150 quid for a phone. So first is very powerful. And it's a marketable thing, isn't it? Because when it's first, it's new, exciting, everyone wants it. So never miss the opportunity. Your job, if you're selling the same thing over and over again, is how do you give the perception of first when it's the 950th time you've delivered it? So it could be first to this audience, a special offer for this specific audience. You could give them an extra couple of bonuses. This is the first time I've delivered this to young entrepreneurs. This is the first time I've ever been in Scotland to speak, and the last. So the next one is do not use gimmicks. The funny thing about selling is, there are proven systems and techniques that work for selling. Urgency, scarcity, social proof, authority, liking, commitment and consistency, responsiveness, building need. All these things work. They work in all of us. They especially work on people who know them. Often the best person to sell to is a salesperson. But if you use them in a gimmicky way or an overt way, You'll, that'll be okay to selling to new people and it'll probably work. But experienced people, you'll turn them off. So here's the kind of, here's the irony at play. You've got, to, you've got to make out you're not selling to them, but you've still got to sell to them. They've got to feel like you're not selling to them, but it's okay to kind of sell to them a bit. They've got to kind of feel like they know how you're selling, but you're not selling too much like how they know you're selling to them like. And you all know that because many of you in this room have invested tens of thousands over the last two or three or five years. All right, there are some specific objections that the affluent, experienced, sceptical, the wealthy would have that the newer customers you find don't have. What could they be? What specific objections could that demographic of people have? Yeah, I've seen it all before. Oh, you're another one of those kind of speakers. You're going to get me run into the back of the room in a minute. You're one of those motivational rah-rah speakers. Oh, this is your story. I don't want to hear your 20-minute fucking story. Just give me the details. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. It's funny because all of us in the room, we're doing all that and we still go and run and buy all the stuff. Because salespeople are often the easiest to sell to. Because we see all the techniques and we're like, oh, I feel clever because I know what they're doing. Oh, I feel, rah, I'll buy it. Okay, so what other objections might we have? Yeah. yeah maybe, why do I need it? Maybe I've bought a load of courses already. Why do I need this? Because, you know, when they're quite new, you, when you're new, you want to make money, you want to get ahead, you, you can be a bit of a course junkie. I'm the biggest course junkie in the world. You'll buy all sorts of different courses. But the more experienced people are like, why do I need that? Because they're probably a bit, bit better at saying no. So, you know, the whole new Bitcoin craze, oh, well, why do I need that? Hmm. Or, I'm really busy, I haven't got time to do that, I haven't got time to do that, I haven't got time to do that, I haven't got time to do that. They may be very comfortable already, so there may not be that pain. You know, if someone's not in a bit of debt and not making good money or a good career yet, there's that pain, and of course, that, you know, that, the thing that you sell is the solution to that pain. The wealthy, the affluent might not have that pain. 
I'll tell you what a big pain of that. The price is not the objection to them. Often with the newer people, you're overcoming the price because they've probably got to put it on a credit card or can't afford it. But it's not the price for the wealthy, the affluent, the experienced. It is probably more the time or the um, getting like, can I do entrepreneurs relief on this? So, you know, a lot of um, wealthy people, they invest in film because there's massive tax breaks. Yeah, exactly. SEIS. Now, not, I probably wouldn't do that because film's pretty risky. You know, and then you've, you know, and the entrepreneurs relief and, you know, there's, there's a 10 percent. You only pay the flat 10 percent, don't you, if, a, if, if the, um, the business doesn't um, succeed. So they've got other things. If you're selling to overseas people and it's like, how do I get the money out of my country where the politicians are trying to steal it from me? How do I get the money out of Qatar and the Cayman Islands? You know, for example, a lot of people who are putting money into London, they'll have a 1% gross yield. They don't care about the income. They just need the money out of the country. They need to park it. Or they want trophy buildings. So they want a piece of the gherkin or something like that. They want to send their kids to the red brick universities in London because we have all the history. So yeah, their objections are very different. All right, you need to make them feel special, smart and understood. But you can't patronise them, so that's the balance, isn't it? So things like I'm sure you already know. You already know. You probably already know. I don't want to teach you to suck eggs. You know, you want to pre-frame that they probably already know this stuff. Now, if they do, they'll acknowledge you, there'll be rapport. And if they don't, you've taught them something. So next one is you need to tone it down a little bit. Now, that's kind of difficult for me. I will definitely tone down my dress sense a little bit. I will certainly tone down the ranting a little bit. I'll take it much slower. Mark and I now are getting a lot of people offering us money. Uh, and I'm very grateful to that. And here's the, the dichotomy we're in at the moment is we've got enough projects on the go. Um, someone offered us about um, four or five hundred thousand pounds. They didn't know what to do with. I said, well, Mark kind of deals with that. Um, I said I'll have a chat with him, but I think I'll know his answer. And I phoned him up and he said, I've got enough projects on no. And he said, well, you might need that in three or six months when a deal comes along. And he was like, yeah, fair point. Um, so I basically said to the partner, I don't think we've got any projects on at the moment. Um, I'm not sure we're ready. Mark doesn't like to do too many deals and kind of, you know, over trade. Um, so he's probably going to say no, but I'll put you in touch anyway. And, you know, if you can either turn him round or maybe we'll have a chat again in a couple of months. So I, I am actually trying to encourage this pe person to keep their money fresh and ready because I know in a couple of months we might have another project we want. But for say, oh, yeah, blah, 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 then you kind of got to be, it's a bit of the reverse psychology. Got offered a lot of money yesterday. Someone has probably got access to, I'm guessing, 30, 40 million pounds, maybe more. Got a house that's worth 40 million pounds that they live in. Um, now, of course, when you're oversubscribed, it's easier to do, isn't it? People want to do business with people who are oversubscribed. When you're full and sold out, everyone wants a piece of you. So how can you let them know that you're oversubscribed and you're in demand without saying sold out, sold out, sold out and it being gimmicky? OK, care, concern, solving problems, being accessible. So there are other things that the experienced wealthy, the affluent will value. They will value having access to you. 
Because, you know, they're wealthy, they're affluent, they're used to having people on call. So if you can be that for them, they're likely to buy your stuff or lend you their money. I always think that a good salesperson or provider of a service isn't the person that's perfect, but it's the person that's willing to solve problems. And when problems start, they pick up the phone, they're contactable, they'll apologise and say they'll sort it out. And I see so many people in the property world or in the wider communities, as soon as there's a problem, the phone goes off, they stop replying to messages and texts and everything else, and they become less accessible. And of course, what are you going to think? You're going to think it's all going wrong. There's a change of behaviour. If you want there to be of a change of behaviour, it should be the opposite, where you try harder. So I know it's hard sometimes when you have problems, but roll your sleeves up and be a man and deal with them. Or a woman. I'm live streaming, so I kind of didn't want to acknowledge that faux pas. <laughs> All right, the next thing is you want to play a bit more of the long game. You know, if you're in an audience of new people and you're speaking and you've got your 90 minutes and you're doing your pitch, you know, you can't play the long game. Because then the next speaker's going to go and clean up. So if you're selling door to door, road to road, you can't play the long game because the next provider's going to clean up. If you're direct to vendor, you can't play the long game because the next investor's going to clean up. But with the affluent, the experienced, the wealthy, you can play the long game. You probably should play the long game. I.e., don't go in too soon, too hard, because if you push them away, you'll push them away forever. You probably won't get another chance. The more you know about them and are sensitive to them, you know, I have a few very famous clients, and the problem with people who are very famous is everyone's trying to nick a pound off them. You know, everyone's trying to have a piece of them, leverage their brand, use their name. And um, I try my absolute best to be the opposite of that and make no requests or no demands and hopefully build a good relationship such that they'll come to me in the future. And I think that's the best way. Wendy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Wendy. Hi, Wendy. So the question is, do you try and reconnect them to their vision? I think some of the best salespeople in the world Gandhi, Branson, Musk, Steve Jobs, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, they're all selling a dream and a vision. And I think that's one of the most powerful selling techniques, if we're going to call it a technique you can use, is getting people to see a future, better, brighter version of themselves and their life. And the great thing about that is it's not a gimmick. So, yeah, all the time. I mean, the technique is called progressive selling, getting them to see the future selves. And then the opposite, the, the sort of the pain-stirring technique is the regressive selling, going back to a point when. So, yes. Ultimately, people don't buy a product or service. They buy a better version of themselves. You know, I spend ridiculous amounts of money on watches and designer clothing and whatever else because I want to be liked more. I want to be a better-looking you know, better presented version of myself. This is why we buy anything. This is why we eat nice foods. Why, you know, we spend more money on healthy foods. This is why we will travel first class. This is, we're, bu we're, we're buying a better version of ourselves. And if you can get someone to see that better version of themselves, you know, more wealthy, more healthy, more wise. There are the common things, you know, more free time, more choice, more of a leader more loved, if they can see that, they'll buy, because your thing is the solution to that.
the vehicle to getting it, they'll lap it up. Chris, what's your name, sir? Chris. Hi, Chris. If you're in that environment where you're dealing with highly affluent, um, highly professional individuals, um, making sure that you mirror them so they feel comfortable with you. Yeah, I think we all want to be understood. Um, but of course, the, the wealthy, the affluent, they're very often misunderstood. They have a lot of haters, they have a lot of critics. You know, everyone thinks that they're lucky or entitled or they were, you know, handed their success on a plate or they were born like it. So often the most successful people can feel misunderstood. So if you can understand their world and how it is to be them, that definitely helps. You have to be careful because you're trying to understand their world, but not teach them to suck eggs because they know that life better than you know that life. Um, but for sure, yes. Wendy, what's your name? Hello, I'm Wendy. Hi, Wendy. How have I dealt with someone I'm selling to that I think is in a more affluent position than me? Um, I think the thing that I always go back to, and, and by the way, this works in reverse if you think someone is less affluent than you, is just remembering that we're all equal. Every human being is uniquely talented. They have their own unique skills and abilities. They've mastered something you're a disaster at. You just happen to be a more of a master at this because you've honored it, but they're more of a master at that because they've honored it. And that's really important to look at both above and below. Because a lot of people don't feel that of people beneath them and then therefore they treat them of the lower class and no one wants to feel like that. So you never want to over subordinate or over pedestalize people. If you over-pedestalise them, you, you know, I've, I've done that. When I went to see Audemars Piguet CEO, Francois Benamias, you know, and I say this humbly, but I probably earn more money than him because I'm an entrepreneur and I run my own business and he's salaried. I, I don't know for sure, but I probably do. But that doesn't matter. I probably earn more money than people who've got 10 million more followers than me on Facebook and on my podcast, and I have to tell myself that sometimes because I compare people who've got podcasts and Facebook pages way more, and, but because I'm a business person and they're, you know, not necessarily. But I was like, oh, this man, he's God, everything about him is great, he's cool, he dresses well, you know, he's, he's met Arnie a lot more times than me, you know, he's got photos of him in his office, all that. And I, came, I was just like a nervous fanboy. And whilst it kind of made for good listening, it didn't if you're me, did for everybody else who thought it was funny. Um, but I um, so what you don't want to do is get yourself into that state where you don't feel worthy because you'll, however you come across. And I can sense when people are nervous, they're either a bit too pushy or trying to act like they're not, or they're a bit sort of um, stumbly and bumbly. So I, I don't say that, like, you know, I'm probably worth more than a lot of these people to inflate myself. I say that to prove to myself that I've got, they're good at that and I'm good at this. They can help me on that and I can help me on this. Because, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people who are way above me, like Lord Sugar. You know, that, at that point, I think it was worth 800 million. And, you know, Mark and I, when was this? 2011. What are we now? 17 six years ago. So, all right, I'd, prob I'd pr I've probably made three million by then. So, 797 million less. Um, and, and I notice Mark, how Mark, Mark sometimes tries to show too much how much he knows in front of these people. I'm just a little bit, you know, 
awoken. Um, yeah, I'm waffling a bit now, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, never look down, never look up too much. Admire their results. I mean, when I met Arnie, I was so nervous, so nervous. And afterwards, I'm like, why did I say that? Why didn't I say that? Analyzing everything I did. He's not sitting there afterwards saying, hmm, why did Rob Moore say and do that? Because he meets hundreds of crazed fanboys every day, fangirls, you know, whatever else. You've got to, if you're comfortable in your own skin, you're going to sell better to affluent and experienced and wealthy people. Oh, we didn't really cover sceptical on the live feed. We'll cover it on this. Selling to the sceptical is you have to acknowledge what they're sceptical of and tell them it's smart to be sceptical of that and then overcome what they're sceptical of. You know, for example, I'll, you know, when I'm doing the property events, I'll, I'll always say it's wise to be sceptical to a point. Because if you don't do any research or diligence, you're going to lose money. If you're not strategic about the things you put your time to, you're going to be overwhelmed. But if you're sceptical to the point where you never make any decisions, that's just defeating yourself. So how about being sceptical at first, like tr uh, trust but verify, or be sceptical but once you're proved, then go all in. Even Richard Branson says, I'll protect the downside first, but then I'll go all in. So what I'm doing here is I'm talking to the sceptical people. I'm meeting them where they're at. I'm telling them it's smart to be sceptical because everyone else is going, oh, you just don't bloody sceptical. Their partner, you just don't bloody sceptical. Everyone who's selling to them, you just don't bloody sceptical, which just makes them more sceptical. So acknowledge it, tell them it's smart, but then slightly overcome it by saying it's smart to a point. Anyone else got any questions or comments? Wendy, don't be sorry. Wendy, what's your name? Hello, I'm Wendy. Hi, Wendy. So the question is, do you craft the offer, the irresistible offer, the package differently? Yes. Now, here's the thing. You've, you've got to follow the system, but it not... You either follow the system, but it's way less overt, or you follow the system and you acknowledge that they know the system you're following and you make a bit of a laugh about it. You know what's coming, you know what this is, 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 but you still give them it. Yes. If I didn't give you the decoy, if I didn't give you a time limit in which to get the price, you, like everyone else, would wait. So, best price, great decoy bonus, some things to take away, i.e. a deadline. Every human being, master, disaster, winner, beginner, we do nothing until there's a deadline, in which case we'll do it. So, what, so this is a good question, Wendy, because we, we, you have to still use selling techniques because they work. If they didn't work, they wouldn't be selling techniques. But you, have to, you either use them more subtly. So here's a subtle way, and I'm going to be talking about this a lot more. I've talked about it a bit already in these sessions. Is Here was the problem. This is how I solved it. This is the solution. Problems in my life I might have had before podcasting. One was... I was putting a lot of time into my personal brand, but not getting out to where it, 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 nearly enough people. It's a bit demoralizing when you spend a lot of time doing videos, two or three hours a day sometimes, and five fans see it and you get one like. And so that was one of the problems of me getting into podcasting, you know, before podcasting, was I wasn't getting out to enough people. The next thing is I'm really scared of setting up all the tech. A podcast, like, do you need a studio? Do you have to have all these levels that you're pissing around with and, you know, do you have to have two, three grand's worth of equipment? You know you're only going to radio, DJ, and it's all expensive equipment. I just want to say my shit and it be live. 
like, like the live feed. Do you edit it? Can you swear? How do you host it? How much does it cost? So all of this stuff stopped me doing podcasts. I don't, didn't even know how to use the app podcasts. So why am I going to do a podcast? So I can start telling you all the problems and the reasons why I wasn't setting up a podcast. So then if I told you for about 150 quid, I can give you the exact spec of the stuff you need. You just get it on eBay done and it's really easy. And one of the bonuses is for the first five of you, you can use my team to edit, upload, host. Now I'm solving the problems through the products rather than you get this and you get this and you get this and you get this. So it's much more clever that way, much more clever in it. So what was the bonus stuff again? I'm, I'm not offering this. <laughs> this is not part... No, not yet. It doesn't, it doesn't go live until... The first time my new podcast course will go live, and there's, oh, I've got a hell of a lot of other sexy stuff to go with it, is at the money event on the... Is it the 4th and 5th of November? The money event, which I know many of you are coming to. If you're listening to the podcast and you haven't bought money yet on Audible or if you haven't got your pre-order on paperback, what are you doing? Where have you been? Grab a copy. Um, by the way, November and December are sold out, but we have launched a new date in January, so I might be able to fit you in in January. Um, email me at rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk with your receipt. We'll see if we can hook you up. All right, uh, Tony, you had a question? What's your name, Tony? Check my blood cell. <laughs> Hi, Tony. That's just gone out to 180 countries. Okay, so the question about towards and away from motivation, pleasure or pain. You know, your life's going to be ruined unless you do this. Insurance companies sell on pain. And so the question is, with the more affluent, the wealthy, the sceptical, might you be more inclined to do pleasure than pain? I think it depends on what you're selling and the specific bonuses. So for more followers and fans and reach and subscribers and customers and leveraging your time, it's always pain. It doesn't matter who it is because no one wants to do this work to have no followers and fans. No one wants to not have enough customers. So I'd probably always do pain on that. So I think it varies. But what, you, you know, like you, you don't want to overdo it. And I think that's probably where your question is coming from. Because, you know, if, if, if you lay on the pain a bit thick, you, you know, you're probably going to turn off the, the sceptical one, aren't you? Because they're, they're probably going to get what you're doing. Thanks for coming, everyone. Hi, it's Rob. We've got a couple of things coming up that I really wanted to let you know about. Uh, one of them is I'm going to be running quite a long experiment on doing a social media competition. So on my various social media platforms, on my Facebook, at Rob Moore Progressive, on Instagram, which is probably at Rob Moore or at Rob Moore Progressive, on this podcast, I'm going to be doing some big giveaways. I'm probably going to pay someone's credit card off. I'm probably going to give away some prizes. So I'm just letting you know a bit in advance. I haven't decided when yet. Um, I'm just looking to do a little bit of a social experiment. Maybe I can get my reach and subscriptions up a bit more in return. So keep your eye out for that. Now make sure you're following me on all of my social media profiles because I'll probably be doing some random giveaways and not necessarily giving you advance notice about that. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is the 150th episode of the podcast, we did a live studio um, we basically got myself and Joe Valenti and we filled out one of our meeting rooms and that seemed to go really well. 
uh, doing the live studio episode. So we're gonna try it again. And um, we're gonna do this for the 200th episode, which just happens to fall pretty much bang on Halloween. So we're gonna do a business nightmares theme where I'm gonna share with you all the mistakes and cock-ups over the years I've made. And I'm gonna bring in a couple of guests who've also made some cock-ups, not just to say how rubbish we are, but of course, so that you can vicariously learn from them so you don't make the mistakes again. And we'll drill into what we did, how we learned to improve the situation, why we made the mistakes, sometimes why we repeated the mistakes. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. And again, we're going to be doing it live in the studio. So you're going to have a chance to come and sit in. It's very intimate, there'll probably be 50 of us maximum, so there's probably gonna be tens of thousands of people who would love to be here, but can't be here. So all you need to do to get yourself a chance of being in the live studio is either review the podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur on iTunes, or review one of my books that you haven't yet reviewed. Review either the podcast, or one of the books, and then on my Facebook page or private message, or in the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community, just let me know you've done it, show me the screenshot, and the first 50-ish of you, we will get you booked to the live studio. Uh, we had a great time last time. We went on for hours, as is normally the case. You'll be able to ask your specific questions with us live as well, so I think it'll be a great show. Tag me in once you've done that, show me the review, and if you're one of the first 50, we'll book you.